As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you as always, joined tonight by Josh Marlowe. Immediate reaction to the Tar Heels' unprecedented historic loss to NC State. We'll get into that. I want to hand out the player of the game right here because after this, there'll be no positivity. British Brooks, <laughs> phenomenal game from him. Uh, 12 carries, 120 yards. Uh, or, excuse me, 15. He actually took one later uh, on. 15 carries, 124 yards, no touchdowns in this game. Um, really stepped up for Carolina, gave them a chance to win this game, but ultimately you end up falling short in what is probably the worst loss in the Mac Brown 2.0 era. Uh, ranks up there with the loss to Virginia from his first tenure that most Tariel fans will remember um, immediately when I bring it up. And there's just there's no way to really explain this loss. Um, there's a lot of guys that you just you just shake your head at. Um, players, coaches. Um, this is this is a pathetic loss uh, in a game that you should have had won. Um, people will say, "Well, why was Grayson Atkins celebrating?" You were up nine with two twelve to go, and in twenty six seconds, you were losing the damn football game. How is that even possible? I don't I don't understand how you can go from a top 10 team in the preseason to a team that doesn't win a single game on the road. I don't I don't know how do you recover from this. Not this season. You are not winning your bowl game. It's that simple. I don't think that that is possible. 
with the fact that Sam Howell will not be coming back. I don't, especially after tonight, how many damn times are you going to let this kid down when he should not have he should not have played even as well as he played for you tonight? I mean, he ran the ball for 98 yards and two touchdowns in a night where I thought you would probably see him pretty limited. And that was not the case. He once again laid it all on the line, and just like it seemed for just about every portion of his career outside of last year, and even to a certain extent last year, Carolina ends up falling short. There are so many different things that have to be talked about with this game, but I mean, my God, how can you not find a way to win this game for that damn, that 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 dude that has busted his tail from the minute that he came through those doors and to leave, potentially finish his career out with that as how as, as how it ends pathetic pathetic the last three and a half hours were what Carolina football has been and most likely will be for its entire existence a program that when given and and tonight wasn't a chance to prove anything or salvage anything. But when dealt with expectations, when dealt with 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 the hype, they simply fail. In hindsight, losing was the best thing for the program. No one's going to get fired off of, off of this one because game. it's a joke. But I don't think that you are going to see overreactions. You should. The overreaction should have happened five weeks ago. Well, th- this game, look, it's not even an overreaction. Stacy Searles needs to be gone. You let up five more sacks, and it's just, at this point, how can you not make any adjustments on that offensive line to try to help a quarterback out that you knew you had to protect better in this game? Well, the biggest issue is the night and day difference between what this group looks like when they play in Keenan Stadium and when they go on the road. And that's coaching. 100% that's that's coaching. Um, I, I look, We knew going in, Carter Finley was going to be an environment. It was. And we still, we still weren't ready to play from the outset. But it's more, it's just more about if we get back to Chapel Hill and we get through this weekend and there aren't position coaches fired, there's no reason to have hope that Mac Brown's going to make changes to his staff. I know the program and the team made the Orange Bowl a year ago. You're you're at a crossroads with the with the future of your program. You you have to overhaul your staff in year three. Well, look, your offense, your your offensive line was not that great a year ago. I mean, it was average. It was good enough to get the job done, but mostly the reason why you had as much success as you did, you had four NFL caliber players and, in, in your backfield, and you got a stud that I'm telling you, once he becomes a starter in the NFL, Javante Williams is going to be one of the best running backs in the league because the man simply does not get tackled it doesn't happen and you took that for granted last year and I think it it made you think that look the offensive line 
played better than they probably did. They still didn't play this bad. And I pointed it out to you earlier tonight that for some reason, it seems like this group is even worse on the road. I know that road environments are tougher, but how is there that much of a difference where you go from being a team that can at least competently protect your quarterback to a team that just, I mean, just collapses under pressure when they go on the road. And, I mean, this is back-to-back games that you have allowed five sacks on your quarterback. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'll have to do some, some some quick adding here. How many sacks did they allow on the road this year alone? More than half of the sacks they gave up all year long. I mean. Probably 75% of the season sacks of Sam Howell. I mean, my God, we're, how we're, is we're that possible? Oh, I, I I would say that it's probably two-thirds. It's got to be somewhere up there. And you played five road games. You played seven games at home. Mm-hmm. And you let up as over half of your sacks, no doubt, on the road. That I mean, that is unbelievable that, I mean, if, if he keeps Stacey Searles, then I, I I just I don't know because Stacy Searles also clearly not the greatest developer of talent. And you got a five star offensive lineman walking through your doors in January. And look, I've seen some people that have said to me, "Well, you know, do if we lose him, does that mean that we lose Zach Rice?" Not not from what I've seen. You, look. I think he's a guy that seems committed to the school, committed to the other guys that are coming in to play with that group. I don't think you have to worry about that. And to be honest with you, I'm at the point now where does it even really matter? No. Because the guys, you're not going to keep him for one guy. No. You, you you don't need to make, you do not need to not make staff changes to avoid losing recruits. If 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 that's what it boils down to, why, why, we, why do you want to bring in all this talent when your coaching staff has proven they're not going to get the most out of the talent. I'd, I'd rather lose the talent and go get a coach or two that can get more out of the same talent or even a little bit less talent than bring in five-star guys who aren't gonna, we're not going to get the most out of. Yep, I agree with you. Because what we thought was a really, really good staff when it was put together three years ago has been proven to not be a very good staff. I mean, look, there's still good guys on this staff. It's 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 an average staff, which if you want to win here, you can't win with an average staff. Well, here's the thing, and this is why it, with some of these guys that we'll talk about more as we get towards the offseason, you, you're on such a small time schedule. This is this is not a timeline that you've got 10 12 years to be able to build into a consistent contender. This is I I have seen so many people that have made this comparison over and over again, but mo- more mostly before the season. Now they've backed off that a little bit. This is not Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Dabo was a young coach when he came out. It's not an overreaction if you are trying to find somebody else in, in in some of these certain coaching roles to get the job done. And, I mean, look, I, I think 
you, you've got you've got some issues with, with the players that are on the field that you've God. got to get fixed. Yes. Um, one of the ones that I just we have talked about it a little bit, but I feel like we have not talked about it enough in a lot of these recap podcasts. You've got to find you, you got to find more consistent safeties. Like, well, you got to Ca- find Cameron a, Kelly, a, a dynamic game changing safety. Cameron Kelly, look, you are a good run stopping safety. That's been proven, but in pass coverage, it's just not there. And I, it, it's it's just there's so many hit or miss guys. Trey Morrison's been like that since he made the move back there. His first his first start back there was phenomenal against Boston College last year. But he hasn't been great in every game since. It's hit and miss. The miscommunications on the back end are absolutely killing this team. And that is what gave them NC State life when they were down by nine. You let a guy beat you over the top because there's miscommunication once again. And again, every time, it seems to come back to the safeties more than anything. Yep. Yeah, Mac Brown talked about it in the offseason. We need our safeties to be more consistent. Well, they were they they were just as consistent if not less consistent this year. That's an area. I mean, I don't know an area on this team right now that you don't have to take a look at the transfer portal. Maybe outside of quarterback. I mean, is that it? That's that's what it feels like. I mean, Maybe interior defensive line because you've got Travis Shaw coming in. You still feel pretty good about the talent that's in there. But edge rusher, got to look for somebody there. They, they, There are so many different spots. They've got to take a look in the transfer portal, and safety is one of them. Well, I've, I've tried telling you all all year, the talent isn't what you think the talent is. The talent's been overrated. Which was fine. The problem has been that the coaching isn't enough to overcome not having the talent. They're not good enough to get the most out of what they have. Which was what we thought we were getting with this staff. Because we thought it was going to take to this recruiting cycle to get the type of talent that we're going to have potentially next year. That was ideal. It usually takes you year three. That's fine. But we also thought for the first three years, mainly on the defensive side of the football, because I think Phil Longo and the offensive staff, they've gotten every ounce of the talent that they can get out of it. You look at the amount of production the offense has put up, you can't complain about the offensive coaching. You just had British Brooks run for 124 yards in a game. But but the defensive coaching, you... Well, outside of the offensive line. You, you, you don't have... You're not getting the most out of what's on the field, and you're you're asking your offense every every game to put up 45, and even when they do that for you, it's still usually not enough, and and so that's that's why that's why if there aren't changes made, then Mac Brown 2.0 will be an afterthought when it's all said and done because you you haven't. You haven't really accomplished anything in the first three years, and you're, you're the best player to ever play in your program is going to the NFL next year. So you that should that should automatically force you to reevaluate. But even more so with the amount of issues that lie with on your coaching staff within your roster, 
changes need to be made. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's something has to change. And I mean, look, this is this is the thing. It's not going to be Mac Brown who's going to be the change. No, and it, sh- so, and it, sh- it, it, it shouldn't be Matt No, Brown. no, no, I'm not there either. But you've got to make some changes here that can reinvigorate what we're seeing from this team right now. Because right now it just it's it's not it's not there. I, I you and I cannot stress this enough. No matter what year it is. You cannot go winless on the road in the season. Nope. And not I, if you want to compete for championships. Not compete for champ. Not if you want to win the coastal. Well, that would that would mean competing. For I mean, it's just I that I don't understand how that is even possible, especially in a season where you came in as one of the top teams in the country. Well, and also look look at the road games that you were dealt. This year, you only had to go on five of them, so it wasn't like you had a more ba- uh, off-balanced road-to-home schedule. Your your toughest road game was at Notre Dame. Okay, that loss acceptable. Yeah, that one, and then Pitt eventually became one that you said, okay, well that's probably one you're going to end up losing. And guess what? You sh- just like this game, should have won. You should have won that game. But you know you. And it's not it's you know this year's like a micro uh, microcosm but it's all 3 years they've had losses on the road that they should not have. Well that becomes a trend. And that's not a good trend to have because you're not making up for it. And that's something where to me like look it's a player issue the players got to execute the game plan and all that and I get that. But your job as a coach is to have your team ready to play. And more times than not, when they leave Chapel Hill, they aren't ready to play. And that's unacceptable when you have a Hall of Fame head coach on your sidelines. Yeah, yeah. Him and him and the whole staff have to be held accountable for that. That's the one area that Phil Longo, I think, you, you've got to ask some questions about. Because yet again, tonight, you got off to a slow start offensively. Now, you bounce back. You got the touchdown you needed at the end of the first half, and your offense did what they had to do to take the lead. But if you get off to a faster start, it may not ultimately come down to that. And I think that's the that's the area that you're going to look back on and, and, and be the most disappointed. Um, penalties, again, showing up. This time, late in the going, when you really didn't need them to show up on you. Which, you had two penalties the entire first three quarters. Yep. You had five in the fourth quarter. Not They're not... They're, and look... They're not a mentally tough football team. The one on Storm Duck, that was a terrible call. That, no doubt, that was... The ball was way out of bounds. How you call pass interference makes no sense. Illegal contact, holding... Okay, that would make some sense. How you call pass interference on a play that a, a, a pass that's clearly uncatchable? Uh, yeah, that's unacceptable. But it's just this is there were there are penalties that just keep showing up 
at the most inopportune times. Tonight, it wasn't even the amount of penalties. It's the fact that when you took them, yep. they killed you. And and I, I've told you that all year long where it's sometimes you look at the box score and it's, well, you only had six penalties. But you look at when those penalties occurred and it negatively affected your chances of winning the game. At Pitt, penalties cost you. At Notre Dame, penalties cost you. Yeah. Tonight, at NC State, once again, the fact, the fact that we have had in every Power Five game, and in an ineligible receiver downfield penalty thrown against us. My gosh! And that has not been fixed. Yeah, I mean, it, part of it is again that was another one that is so hit and miss. And I'm not going to butcher Azudu too much on that one. It's, Dude, Turk takes off down the field. Looks like he game, was fouled him. It's every game though. I, yeah, it's it, it's that that's, and th- I know people have said, look, that's part of the RPL. I get that. And that's your best the offensive play, lineman who's cost you in back-to-back games. The play that that happened on, though, wasn't even an RPO. It was a play-action throw. Come on, man. Like, maybe you weren't that far downfield. But you can't you can't put yourself in that situation. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That happened on the last drive of the game when you were trailing. Yep. You still should have been leading the game. And how, look... Special teams, for the most part this season, has played well. They had a horrendous night tonight in a game that you couldn't have a horrendous night. You get two punts blocked. Now, one of them, Garrett Walston, is makes just a great aware awareness play because most guys would think, well, the ball went forward. I can't pick this up and do anything with it. But he picked it up and ran it for a first down. So, great job by him. First one... That ends up giving them the lead early on. Yep. They didn't they scored seven points in the first half against you. Your your defense did a pretty good job until those last two drives of the game. Mm-hmm. But then not only do you have that, then you have an unexplicable mishap on the onside kick. Yep. If you're gonna go up to try to get the football. Then you better come away with the football. Don't dive over top of the football. And I somebody said, well, maybe they thought that if you touched it, it has to go ten yards. If they don't know that, you can touch it as an as a as a return team player at any depth. I, I mean, then there needs to be some serious conversations about the special team staff as well. Well, you can't really butcher them because the Atlanta Falcons didn't think that they could touch the ball until it went 10 yards. Morons. Last year. Morons. <laughs> and and it cost them a football game. Um, yeah, special teams tonight, they weren't very special in terms of your, 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 punt, your punt unit, your kickoff return, your kickoff. Grayson Atkins hits the biggest field goal of his of his Tar Heel career, and it goes. It doesn't even mean anything anymore. Like the the kid finally made a kick that we brought him in to make, and you're feeling good. You're up nine, a little over two minutes to go. The game's not over, but to lose the game, you gotta you you gotta go brain dead. And that's effect. That's effectively what Carolina did. I see that'll be that'll be a position change, and I think Mac Brown won't be hesitant to make. Because he already made that change once, and he—I don't think you need to make that change, though. 
I don't, I don't think that's a problem with your football team. It was a problem tonight, but before that, that that wasn't a problem. Your special teams unit. I know a great was special teams coach. Very now. good. Well, it's not you. No. Oh well, yeah, of course. Well, remember, Carolina does have two of them too. You know, and he's unemployed. Oh, great. Who we got? Who who is this? Who is this? Herbert Lawrence Fedora. Oh God. Special teams were never a problem under no. un, underfed. No, not even close. No, I I would I would, would definitely you, not want to go. Would you rather have me coach the special teams than Larry? Yes. That's nothing. Well, that's nothing personal against Larry. That is a horrendous. That, that you are not going back to a former head coach. And I'm gonna take him, that as a compliment. Eh, you know, you take it for whatever you want it. Now, some people may want Larry as our offensive coordinator. I I'm gonna be honest. I am to the point now where I want to drive my head through a cinder block wall every time that I hear somebody continue to rip Phil Longo. I don't understand how much more simple it can be for people. He cannot get that creative with this offensive line that he has. There is nothing else that he can really do because his offensive line is terrible. And I will say this, Sam Howell's a hell of a quarterback. He has been for a few years now. He, his biggest issue is that he holds on to the football way too long. Phil Longo, the fact that this offense this season is as good as it has been with as much as they lost in the struggles that they saw early on in the season, for them to still be ranked inside of the top 20 in most statistical categories is honestly amazing. His game plan tonight was, I thought, was solid. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree that the red zone offense has to get better, but here's my thing for people that want to say, well, we want the red zone offense to be better. Who are you supposed to get the football to? Mm-hmm. Are you throwing a lob pass to Josh Downs? So here's the thing with like, all come on, man. The people that want Phil Longo fired, they're there. This is the classic case of people looking for a scapegoat. Well, we're gonna fire both coordinators. No, I'm sorry, Phil Longo is not the issue with your football team. So the people that want him fired, when he's a head coach at a Group of five school next year, and Carolina's offense isn't as dynamic as it has been for the last three years. I don't want to hear the. I don't want to hear the bitching. Yeah. Yep. Because I am one hundred percent with you. Because who who the hell are you having coming in calling plays for this offense? Because there is a handful of group of five jobs that are open that will become open that Phil Longo is a great ideal fit at to, Louisiana. To, when Billy Napier leaves to become a. To, to become a first-time head coach, to make his way to running a, a Power 5 program someday. Yeah, I, I'm here to tell you, he's going to be a head coach somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but people need to prepare themselves. And guess what? And I'm with you. When he leaves, you the, you you better not be these people of, oh, man, I really miss Phil Longo. Because, well, really? Because if, if there's one coach that shouldn't be gone, it's him because of how much he's had to do this year replacing – Four 1,000-yard players, an anemic offensive line, and a quarterback that has been banged up probably a lot longer than we believe he's been banged up. 
Uh, yes, I have. I have someone that is close to Sam Howell and his family who has told me that yes, he has been banged up much, much longer than before than that Pittsburgh game. So you gotta, I'll just say that you've got to replace that guy next year. You you need your offensive coordinator back to give your offense a fighting chance next year. Yeah. Also, I, I mean, and so I, when he's gone, and you got to bring in a whole new. Offensive coordinator with a whole new scheme, terminology, verbiage, all that stuff, and it takes this offense half the season or longer to get going, I don't want to hear it. Frankly, I I don't want to hear it. Take it and shove it. I did, there, there is no guarantee that you are going to be getting somebody that is anywhere near the type of coach that Phil Longo has been. I, I've gotten to the point, I think, when you compare him and Seth Luttrell from that 2015 team, I think they are probably on par with each other, especially after this year. And I, I just, I know there's some strategic things that you're not going to like. Were there not strategic things that with Seth Luttrell that we didn't like? Absolutely. Seth Luttrell was screen heavy. That was one of the staples of his offense. Always was. But, I mean, if you look at what he had that year, everybody wants to say, well, I don't understand why we're not trying to get the ball out faster, these receivers. Who are you throwing to that's creating separation and can hold on to the football? Like, look, Antoine Green has been great in the second half of the season. He wasn't tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he wasn't. And then, I mean, Justin Olsen, he's not a guy that's been able to create separation. He's a guy that, honestly, he is playing at a position. He's a slot receiver who is playing on the outside. And I commend, I, I commend him for it. He made a great catch earlier in the game. But he's not a guy that you're going to run around over the middle with too often because he's not going to be get, able to get off of press coverage that easy. And he's a guy that if he takes a hit over the middle of the field – that's going to be hard for him to get up from. Mm-hmm. So, and and you're not playing J.J. Jones a whole lot. There's got to be reasons behind that. Last week, we didn't see two, the other two true freshmen. So, I mean, it's clear that this is a, an offense that is better than they were when they started the season. But they still have some limitations. And here's the other thing. You want to criticize Phil Longo for not making adjustments? Uh, what other offensive coordinator in the final game of the season, you could argue the biggest game of the season for them, puts in a walk-on senior at running back, takes carries away from a 1,000-yard running back, and puts it in the hands of a guy because he is just having a hot night. Yeah, Most offensive coordinators would not be able to make that adjustment yeah, that, and live with themselves. He made the right move by doing that, and he deserves stones. credit. Yeah, he had some cajones tonight. And, I, I mean, look, people are criticizing him for the third and three play. I have no issue with them running the football there. At that point in the game, they had thrown for 112 yards. They had run for 260 yards. It, it goes, well, I, come on, people. It goes back to if, if you can't gain three yards knowing you need to gain three yards, then you don't deserve to win the football game, which was then later proven true. That was the right play call. You don't you don't risk a sack that takes you out of field goal range. Yep. So 
Now, I was of the mindset, given the situation, to go for it. But that was just more of circumstance. You're a 6-5 and five football team. You had nothing to lose but another football game. Well, and as we learned, if you didn't get it, you would have lost anyways. But, no, that was the right that was the right play call. Given the way Carolina had ran the ball all night, they ran the ball for 297 yards. And you're telling me on third and three we should be throwing the football? They ran, they ran the football earlier in the game on third and six and picked up a first down. Like, like that that that's where you over that's where you overthink it and you double guess yourself. You're this is where people that goes back to your offensive line not executing. Right. Your people are just angry and they are looking for people to take it out on. Because had, had we gained four yards And so are we. But you know, we're taking it out on Stacy Searle. Had they gained four yards and the game's over, you're not you're not complaining that you ran the ball. Because now you won. Right. So you can't you can't have it both ways. I mean, look, th- this is the thing. We've been hard on the coaches, especially for a lot of the year. And they need to These, be hard on. For sure. Like I the players have not executed the way that they've needed to. They have not stepped up to the plate and played the way that they've needed to so far this season. I, I need you to agree with me and oh, say the God. words. No, I really don't want to. That we're not as talented as you think we are. Because you've been saying yeah, all I mean, year we're talented. We're not freaking talented. I think we are ta- uh, No, we're talented. No. But we are not as talented as the composite rankings would prove to you. We're not talented enough to not play our best week in, week out, and win the football game. No, I mean, that's no, no. no there, look, if you think, and, and, and there and, are people that do believe this, and, if you and think. Most, and most top 10 teams are. Well, that well, it's been proven that this year, I wouldn't say top 10, top 15, Carolina, Iowa State, USC, and Miami are all in that same category where people thought that, and this was true of Carolina, people thought that you could have an off night and this team still had enough talent to win. Do the Toriels probably have enough talent if they keep recruiting the way that they are in two or three years? Yeah, maybe. But I don't you to me you can't say that until they actually prove it to you. Right now, this is a talented team. But a lot of that talent is young and a lot of it isn't playing yet. So the guys that are out there you you've got and this is the thing that's frustrated me the most about Jay Bateman this year and I've said it multiple times on here I don't feel like Jay Bateman was a guy that adjusted his scheme enough nope to his players this year and now tonight I will say this tonight the scheme was good for the most part and even late in the game I don't know you can't really blame Jay Bateman for what happened on the final two pass plays one of which Cameron Kelly blew just simply blew the coverage or at least we think it could be it could be him or Tony Gr- we don't know we don't know what the call was there all we know is there was a miscommunication and then the second one Cameron Kelly had a chance to make a play on the football and instead he'll be on you got mossed on Sunday NFL countdown and did not make the play on the football because what is the what is one of the things that the Toriels have struggled the most this year with? 50-50 footballs. Because they're not tough enough to make plays. Yeah, that play he just got bodied. And can't happen. Yeah, he got he got owned. So Man, it's just it's it's a shame. And 
you know, like I said, it's you now leave Sam Howell, and I'll throw another guy in there who I thought played really well tonight and deserved to go out better. Jeremiah Gimmel had a really good game tonight. Mm-hmm. Laid it all on the line once again. He's been the heart and soul of your defense this year and probably for the last couple of years. Chas Surratt's been up there, but he's your vocal leader. And once again, you fail for these guys this season. And now, I mean, this is, it's hard not to say that this is a step back. If you would have found a way to win this game and win your bowl game, it would have been a step back, but you're probably what? Taking, you know, a couple of of sidewalk steps back. Now, I mean, you're, this is a significant step back for you. Yep. And now I think that it makes this a crucial, like we we were saying that beforehand. Now year four will determine where exactly your program is at. Is this now with Mac Brown, or is this a group that we are going to expect to win the ACC Coastal every year, every other year? No. Or are we going to get to the point after year four where we're saying? What we were saying when he first took this job, just make it better than you that, than you found it. Leave it better than you found it. So the, the thing that people got to realize is even though Carolina will not enter probably any preseason polls next year, and they most likely will not be picked to win the ACC Coastal, the pressure doesn't go away. It only heats up. It's higher. Yep. Because when you when you regress to the level that they regressed, given the fact of you know the timestamp with your head coach, who that's who and this I'm telling you that and, is everything with this folks. And, if he was if he was fifty, and, we'd be having a totally different conversation. And you know, I think we got into a massive argument back over the summer when I said. Mac Brown for the last how many ever years wasn't the Mac Brown that won a national championship is in the Hall of Fame. Well, unfortunately, I was proven right. So the heat is going to be on Mac Brown in year four. The questions are only going to get tougher for Mac Brown in year four. You didn't make it any easier. And it ain't going to be on the media this time. By going six and six. And zero and five on the road. That's see, you just you just made it harder. See, that's one of the biggest issues with this season. If it was six and six, and you were two and two and three on the road, but you had lost a few home games, I I I don't know if people would be as concerned. The problem right now is that been. how do you? I mean, I know you don't want to lose games at home, but how? How do you go winless on the road in a season? The whole season, you couldn't find a way to beat any of those teams on the road, including Georgia Tech. Yep. Like, that's the one that I think, that that one and now Virginia Tech, with where they've gotten to, are the most unforgivable. The one, now this one, the scenario that you're in, probably makes this one top of the list. But... Man, I, I mean, 
it's just you, now you are having a conversation that at when we started this year, I don't think anybody thought we would be having this conversation. You may have thought, okay, we could be having the conversation of they didn't get to the ACC championship game. Does that leave you feeling a little disappointed? I don't think anybody thought that we would be talking about this team being 6-6 six and six and losing a game that they were up by 9 in with 2-12 to go and lost the game in 26 seconds. Yeah, no. I didn't think this was an ACC title team. Um, and I was proven right, but I, I, I well, well, to a certain extent, I the thought, team you thought was going to be in the ACC championship game, no. not quite there. But I, I, I thought we were closer to eight and four, nine and three, which is my expectations most years for Toriel football. I don't expect a whole lot, and you really shouldn't. I didn't expect six and six. Last year, you had inexcusable road losses. But because you beat an overrated top ten Miami team, it made up for all those things. You couldn't even get one. You couldn't even get a, a road win in this year. Where if you had you gone one and four, but you said, "Hey, will we beat this team on the road?" Now, if you won tonight, you know that that would have put you in a, in in a much better spot. So, as as I said earlier, with these trends, you've got a three year trend of not being able to go on the road and beat teams that you're capable of beating. You're never going to take the next step if good football teams go on the road and win. Good football teams go on the road and win. We're not even good. And we're trying to be great. Great teams go on the road and they blow these types of teams out that you go on the road and get blown out by. Yeah, well, you got to, and and again, you've, you've got to take the first step which is winning these games on the road that you're supposed to win. And, and I mean, now, I mean, you, you're just, the numbers in primetime on the road are just un, unbelievable. They were 1-9 against the spread coming into tonight. Now, I think they're 2-9 and nine now. They covered. But guess what? That don't matter. You should have won the game outright. Well, it matters for the people that bet. Yeah, well, guess what? Which, uh, I mean, we run ads for betting. So Yeah, I'm going to read one right now. Yeah. That's what I was going to. <laughs> I mean, guess what? Does, tonight's tonight's, uh, tonight's does, cover presented by DraftKings. It does matter. Uh, this Thanksgiving weekend, be thankful for food, family, and free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a Turkey Day no-brainer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game. I believe that also extends into the weekend and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving weekend NFL action. Make your first deposit and play, and you can play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sports uh, sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. That's promo code TPPN this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I may have a drinking problem after this game. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to throw up, by the way, when we were upstairs. Yeah. That game made me sick to my damn stomach. Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't even know how to really get out of this. Uh, because. Promote the website, promote, promote the <laughs> podcast, and get out of here. I mean, now you, all you got to look forward to is your bowl game. I think what we're what, what we're talking about is probably which quarterback will be playing. And, I mean, one thing I will say, closing notes, uh, Jeremiah Gimmel, congratulations, he was invited to the Senior Bowl. So, good opportunity for him to go down to Mobile, Alabama, potentially help his draft stock out a little bit. I do got one more thing to get off my chest. Here we go. Can we quit wearing that uniform? Well, you won, you won down at that unbelievably overrated Miami team, as you said, even though you scored 62 on the road against a top-10 team. But all right. That was overrated. Because that's now like our go-to road uniform. Why not make it No, they've, they've only worn that twice. Now, it didn't work out too well. My thing is, they, can we not wear the retro uniforms just moving forward? Because you've had a ton of success in those moving forward. Make make the road version of that and make that your permanent uniform. But, you know... We need a movement. Our Carolina blue, which is our traditional color... Yeah. It stands out really well against that state red. Like, it makes it for an elite uniform match. Look, here's my thing. I'm going to be honest. I don't give a damn what uniform so they just, wear. So put, on, so put on the blue lid. They... Put on the blue pants... And just beat, just beat damn NC State. Well. Because now they have a chance to make it to the ACC championship game, a spot that you thought that you should have been in, in preseason. In they'll probably keep Dave Dorn around for another five, six years, which still bodes well for us. I mean, yeah, but at this point, it's it, you've tonight proved that this season – is just an it, it is it is no doubt a disappointment. There is absolutely no way for you to spin it as not being a disappointment. I told you after they beat Wake Forest, and notice I said beat, not upset. The only way that that meant anything was if you won out, and they had a chance to win at Pittsburgh and at NC State to make that win mean something, and blew both of them, and they didn't do it. So yes. This season was already a disappointment. It's officially the the biggest disappointment probably of our Tar Heel football fandom. Yeah, no, it's it's got to be up there for sure. I know people because are going to say... They don't have the NCAA investigation excuses. You don't have that. And this team is a heck of a lot better than that, than that 2014 team that was picked to make the ACC title game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, well, that team... See, the thing with that team... And this this will probably be something we'll do in the offseason because it can extend. thing with that team is if they pick a quarterback they earlier, they probably win more games. This team's still better than that team. Though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, no, no. I agree with you 100% Which on that. Because that team, did we have that team top 10 preseason? We did not. 
Did this team probably deserve to be top 10 preseason? No. No. Did they deserve to be top 20 preseason? Yes, with what they had coming back. I thought, yes. I thought they were 20. For sure, they deserve to be in that range. And I made the argument before the season that they deserve to be top 10. I know you did. Because on paper, they looked like a top 10 football team. And look, a lot of the teams that were below them haven't been all that great either. The best exercise so, we'll do during the offseason is pulling back those bowl prediction clips yeesh. and replaying them. Dude. And you predicting this being a top 25 defense? Yeah, I was right on that. Top 25 worst defense in the country. <laughs> it's got to be somewhere pretty close to that. Eugene Asante breaking Chasserat's record for tackles in a season Sheesh. from two years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was that was not, not a great one. But there's a lot of them that we'll have to go through. We'll, of course, do that towards the end of the season. Guys, this was a pretty angry podcast, no doubt about it. These are these are fun, though. Yelling, yelling is good for me. Well, soul. I'm going to be honest. I didn't have fun. I this fun was yelling. the worst... This is as bad of a loss as it gets from our time watching Tar Heel football. There is no doubt about that. To lose to the team that you lost to in that fashion is just utterly sickening. Disgusting. And they... It's just a perfect way for this team to finish this season with the fact that they have just been as disappointing as they have. But now they've got a bowl game. And look, this is this is a good chance for them. They get the extra practices. It's a good chance for you to try to start finding some solutions for next year. And yeah, a year that even before this game was going to be an extremely important year for Mac Brown and his staff in terms of where exactly the program can get to under them. So... We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. We'll have you covered on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Recap of tonight's game. Uh, our takeaways will be going up tomorrow. So make sure that you guys check all of that out. Uh, we'll, of course, have the stock report as well, tell you who's trending up, who's trending down as Carolina heads towards their bowl game. Um, and then we'll, we'll also have you covered as we go uh, up into the bowl game. Um, we'll have the bowl, the uh, bowl projections that are going to be starting to come out over the next uh, week or so, and we'll tell you where they expect Carolina will be heading. Of course, that can be affected by what we see tomorrow, and of course, what we see um, next weekend uh, with the ACC title game. Some of the other title games as well could affect where Carolina goes, but we'll have you covered on all those fronts as we lead you into the Tar Heel Bowl game. And then, of course, we'll circle around at the end of the season and hand out our final grades for the 2021 season. And then turn our attention fully to 22. We, of course, in between there, we'll have early signing the early signing period. If there's one thing to be excited about and one thing to be positive about with Tar Heel football, it is the fact that the Tar Heels uh, are recruiting still extremely well on the recruiting trail um, they closed out what will likely be uh, their early signing class. They're still working on a couple of guys to try to flip somebody before that early signing period. But right now, if the class stays where it's at, they close it out with Andre Green Jr. 
and a four-star receiver, guy ranked inside of the top 100 prospects in the country, according to 24-7 Sports, and Carolina is doing what they have to do in that area to acquire the talent. So uh, we'll have you covered. We'll have you uh, give you you know in-depth coverage of National Signing Day on uh, December 15th. Uh, it'll be me and Zach Hubbard. We'll, of course, have a recap that night. We expect that every one of those players will be signing that night, although, uh, as we've seen in the past, there have been guys that have decided to go on the second day or even the third day. So if they do that, um, we'll still probably recap the majority of the guys that sign then, uh, and then we'll circle back and, of course, make sure that uh, everybody gets in there. But we'll have uh, the podcast uh, where we'll break all that down. I'll break all that stuff down on the website for you as well, HeelToughBlog.com. You can check out the podcast there as well as the Four Corners podcast. We've got tabs at the top of the website. Just click on those tabs. It'll bring you to the podcasting pages and you can listen right there on the website if you want to go to one of uh, the major spots, which is where you got to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes instead of just having to go to the website. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Tune in, all those great apps. Uh, we have the podcast up there, so make sure that you guys check that out. And then, um, when you do, head over to the Facebook page. That's where all the great stuff that we just talked about, the articles, the podcast, the audio editions, and the video editions, all in one spot for you there on that Facebook page. Uh, we encourage you guys to keep up with that uh, during the off season, Of course, during basketball season, we've got you covered on that front as well. Carolina with a... A little bit of a much-needed break here over the next uh, couple of days as they try to sort of regain themselves early on after a slow start defensively out of the gate, um, but still a, a team that uh, is growing under Hubert Davis. Uh, we'll have you covered on on that front. Josh is uh, doing everything he can on the website to keep you guys covered with that. And again, all on that Facebook page for you guys to check out or on the Twitter page at Blog on Twitter. You can find me at HTB Anthony on Twitter, Josh at HTB Josh, and then uh, Zach Hubbard, who you'll want to follow uh, for all of that early signing period and coverage, all that great stuff, at HackZubbard2. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.